You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hey all, Bayou Benders here to talk about DraftKings. The tournament is finally here. The bracket has been set and the teams are ready to hit the court. And DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy, is celebrating with the largest free basketball survivor pool ever. How large? $1 million in total prizes are up for grabs. That's how large. And if that's not enough, check this out. When you enter the free DraftKings $1 million survivor pool, you could get a shot at winning $10,000 for every upset throughout the first two rounds of the tournament. It's easy to play. Just pick one team per day. If they survive, you advance to the next round. Last person standing is the winner. Remember, you can only pick a team once for the entire tournament, so choose wisely. DraftKings is a safe and secure app. You can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. Get in on all this week's action. Download the DraftKings app now. Enter code THPN during sign-up and enter the free $1 million survivor pool. Again, that's code THPN to enter into DraftKings' free $1 million survivor pool. Eligibility restrictions and terms and conditions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Hello, you're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Mason Dixon, and this is Habs Nightly, your hub for Habs content. Today, I'm going to jump right into it. Uh, Corey and I are back for another episode, and we just want to express our deep sympathies for the family of Timir Fazadutinov. Um, I apologize. We looked up how to say it, and it's really hard. We tried to get it as accurately as we could, but in the language barrier, um, if you haven't heard, he was struck in the head by a puck in the neutral zone in a game against Loko Yaroslavl on Friday. He was a 19, the 19-year-old, 19 I believe, captain. Captain for Dynamo. Yeah, captain for Dynamo St. Petersburg, uh, the junior team. They're playing in the playoffs against, like I said, Loko Yaroslavl. Uh, he was hit in the head off a dumping, and unfortunately he succumbed to his injuries on Tuesday. So we just wanted to uh, express our sympathies um, to his family, his friends, to the team, to the player that struck him in the head too, because you have to imagine that he's probably going through some stuff as well. And uh, the hockey world and in, in, as a whole is kind of mourning this loss and uh, our condolences go out to his family. Beautifully said, beautifully said. Um, I love how you took, took the reins on that because before we started, you were like upset that you were like, oh, I'm going to have to try to pronounce this name. And granted, it's a tough name, and I wasn't going to make you do that. I was 100% going to do this because I wanted to bring it up. But uh, kudos to you for just bearing that weight and just just executing it very prettily. It's very beautiful. Yeah, I, uh, definitely a name I struggled with, but you know, we do our best. Thanks, um, YouTube. Yeah, thanks, YouTube. Um Moving on, we're going to, to some, you know, happier stuff. Uh, 
Montreal Canadiens finally strung together a win the other day. Just overall, I, I've just loved KK's line. I think that's what I want to take away from the past few games. Uh, I know we talked about it a little bit on the Monday episode, but well, they're I think, buzzing. I think it's even different. It's even it's even better because you finally really get to see KK take a number one, you know, a first center position. And um, we, we kind of – we didn't battle back and forth on Twitter, but um, I believe you had posted, you know, like uh, how do you guys feel under Ducharme, you know, and I was like, look at – just look at this – Look at how this team, how this lines are set right now, and tell me like you would never see this, you know, unless we were really struggling under under Julian and Ducharme is just letting. If you're hot, you're getting, you know, you're getting moved. You're gonna get more chances, and I mean, fuck, dude, we got we got the CKK finally shine like that, you know? Yeah, for sure. And sorry, I kind of stuttered there because. As I was speaking, we were actually laughing about this before the episode. I kind of forgot what day it was, and I wasn't sure if we'd actually won a game. I kind of forgot mid-sentence. <laughs> but, yeah, we uh, we beat the Winnipeg Jets 4-2. Top today, Toffoli got two goals for us. Kind of had to redeem himself on that empty net goal. He missed a chance he doesn't really miss from the red line initially. That made it icing, but then had a great heads-up play from, I think it was Armia, actually, who got him the puck, and just a great play from him to get open and seal the game for us. Um, Credit to the Jets, though, and I think I tweeted this as well. Um, If I've learned anything about this Winnipeg Jets team, it's that they're never out of games, ever. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Kyle Connor is fucking insane, and you shut him down, you still got to shut down Ehlers, Wheeler, Shifley. Paul Stastny, that team is deep. Pierre-Luc Dubois, like their top six, I think can make a case it's the best in the Canadian division. Um, Okay, so like Toronto, Toronto definitely is kind of just blowing people out of the water at this moment. But like the Winnipeg Jets, I feel, are truly a bit nastier as far as like just the run they've been on. They seem like almost unstoppable until, you know, until we played them. But uh, four two and seven one, not a big deal. <laughs> but um, I thought I thought this was a big challenge. But also at the same time, you know, like like facing Calgary, I feel like we haven't played them in a while. I don't know. I, that's how I tried to base that those those losses. You know, like one was fucking a twenty two games in twenty four hours. The next one we just like you could tell we were just dead in the legs. But um, I also felt that like we we've never seen them play. In a while, we never had a chance to play against them. Winnipeg, we just came off of a, a two-game series with them, so it was, we were still kind of fresh. We, we knew what to expect. They never really changed anything. They're still they were still climbing, you know, uh, just winning and winning. And I think that was an advantage for us was just knowing the team and going back into it with a you know a better mindset than we did the last time. But um, it was Carey Price's 700th game, and what a game to give him another win. Uh, Carey Price is still sitting very sexily i think it's a a 0.942 right now in his last five games and it's looking incredible uh and over his last eight it's like 0.94 right something like that i believe so uh but he's been he's been excellent and uh no one's been better in the in the month of march 
in terms of goals against or save mm-hmm. percentage. Carey Price is the top goalie in the month of March. Right, and it really just proves that, like, maybe he just needed more games played, you know. And uh, I did like that Julian was sharing it even, but uh, it definitely definitely showed that Carey Price does need to play a couple of games. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't have to play 62, you know, and then just cough up a couple of them. But it, it really does look like Carey Price has found his rhythm because he's been given a chance to, to play back-to-backs. And um, we'll just get more play. So kudos to Carey Price for finding his legs and, and just shit on the fucking the media by just saying he doesn't care. and just proves it in his game that he's still better. Yeah. No, and like I'm still going to stand by it. Carey Price isn't the best goalie in the NHL anymore. I think he can play and dominate as the best goaltender in the league, mm-hmm. but I think to have that title, you have to be consistent. And he's not. He hasn't been. But this is what we were talking about, and through all the criticism that at least I personally gave to him, I will say I did acknowledge that he is a slow starter. And I think – it's no coincidence that the firing of Stefan Waite has then resulted in this resurgence for Carey Price. I think Sean Burke has clearly worked well with him. Maybe a new voice was all that was needed. And hopefully he can carry this up for the rest of the year because Carey Price has kept us in some games lately. And that's what you need your number one goalie to do if you want to compete. 100%. And, uh, you know, kudos to kudos to Price for just really stepping up and finding his finding his way, but also for Jake Allen to understand his role. You know, even though he was on a fucking an amazing start to to take a seat a little bit and, and let Kerry Price find his rhythm, I think is the most important. You know, it, it's very integral to us finding our success like we had in the very beginning of the season. But um, I know we we kind of passed on KK, but I just want to say that it was very rewarding to see KK in the top line with Duran and Anderson and then score the first goal. You know, I, I know we, as a, as a fan base, we like to baby him, but it's like on nights like this, when he, when his game has been improving so much this season and you're, and you're expecting him to move up and he finally gets his chance and he immediately, you know, I, I believe he got a tip in and it was, you know, it was exactly what we needed. It's exactly what you expect from him. And you couldn't be happier to see a guy who's really tried his best to to overperform and finally gets his recognition, gets on the on the top line. Yeah, definitely. I think well, – well, actually, I think that raises the question. I, I like I With that statement, I think I can see where you're going here. But what do you think just of the lines in general? They announced them again for tonight. They're going with the same lines they used in uh, the 4-2 win against the Jets. Uh, all four of them. What did you think? Don't, don't change it if it's working. Okay. And if you need me to refresh your memory, I can no, do that. No, it's uh, Drew Ann, KK, Anderson. Second line to Foley, Suzuki, Gallagher. Third to Tar, Denote, Armia. Uh, fourth line, if, if it's still the same, Byron Evans, Perry. Uh, I think it's Byron Evans, Perry, yeah. Okay. Well, I'm just going to say I really dig the, uh, you know, the Julian first line having a bit of a separation and then seeing them fall to third. It's not that they're incompetent. It's far from it. I just think it's a great spot for them right now. It lets the players who are actually overperforming and making a difference shine, giving them more more chances, and then utilizing Deneau's line um, with Tatar and Armia as a chance, as a, as a good defensive 
I think that's where Dano needs to be right now. It might not like it, but I think Dano's played great in that position. Exactly. I thought that line's I been feel stellar. Like it's taken it's taken a, a bit of um like a weight off of his shoulders. Like I feel like maybe the top line, you know, with him fumbling a little bit, uh finding his offense this season, it's given him a chance to to work more defensively and also take a little bit of strain off of not expecting to be you know, the, the most critical line every night. Well, and I think too, a guy like Joel, Joel Armia just creates so much space. And it's the mm-hmm. same way he does it in the same fashion of Anderson, except just to a lesser extent, doesn't provide, I don't know. Armia is weird. He has flashes of just pure skill. Yes, he does. But it's just not always there. I don't think the IQ is there. I think the skill is a little higher than his hockey IQ, mm-hmm. but and sorry, getting back to my point, the space he opens up, I think, has helped Dano. Dano went for a sneaky little backhand move the other night. I'm not sure if it was against the Jets where he, like, went around the the back of the net and kind of tried to tuck it in. That's a confident play that you don't see Dano make a lot, and he had the space to do it, I think, in part because of Armia. And But I think the biggest benefactor on that line of Armia has been Tatar. The space that he's getting has just opened up so much for him. I know he might, I don't know what he's put up in terms of point production personally. I don't know if it's a lot, but he's making plays like we saw him last year, stick handling around guys, playing with the puck, hold on, holding on to it, looking for plays. That's when Tatar's in his element is when he's holding the puck. And I think in a way we kind of saw him regress a little bit this season because we have the young stars and Suzuki, um, Kakaniemi, Toffoli is pretty puck dominant as well. Jeruan has become a puck handler. Uh, Deneau on the first line was handling the puck more. And I think it took a little bit away from Tatar's game. But now that he's on that third line where he's clearly, you know, Deneau is there to shut guys down. Armia is there to bang around the net and on the boards. It's clear who the puck handler is. And I think just these last few games, I've loved uh, Thomas Tatar's game. Right. Uh, just to Just to help your you know, your, your comments on Tatar, Tatar sitting at uh, five goals, 16 points, uh, two goals on the power play, six on the six points from the power play. So he's still very, very dominant and very, we, oh, we need him heavy, well. yeah. especially on the power play, but um, he's, he's not having, you can just say it's a slow start, but it's, it's not truly that just maybe just offensively, um, but he's still been playing stellar for I us, think, and I don't I think, think them falling that low is is any pressure that he's not playing up to par. I think it's just it's just working better with the new the new guys we have brought in have just been playing out of this world, you know. Oh, definitely, and I think to clarify, I just mean because Tatar was our leading point getter last year mm-hmm. with sixty one points and was on pace to be close to seventy. He had a chance, so I that that's kind of where the comment lies in which I think right. he had a little bit of a slow start. Yeah. And I don't think if he ends this season and it's not close to what it was, I don't think that's a, that's a, like a dash in what you would expect him to do. This is a very different season. They've had a lot of time off. This is a brand new team, basically, you know, um, I don't, I don't think it would be if we, if we saw a little bit of, of a, of a less, you know, of what he can give us this season, I don't think that takes away from how dominant Tatar is to this team. You know, he's he's very vital still. 
But um, excuse me, uh, I was like trying to hold a fucking yawn in. Uh, anyway, I wanted to bring up something, uh, and we're gonna go to the defensive pairings. Uh, we got to see Xavier uh, Olette come in, and um, how do you how do you feel about this? You know, uh, uh obviously before we even start, um. Ben Sherrod is going to miss uh, five – what is it, five to six weeks? He's out his injury. The, the majority of the regular season. Yeah, so it's almost indefinitely. Um, but what a – what a. if I'm not mistaken, we let is the, is the captain for um, the Laval Rockets. He's going to come up. And truthfully, how did you feel about his game uh, the other night? I think Ouellette's an NHL defenseman replacement level player i'm not really i didn't really notice who let that much and mm-hmm. that's what you want from him so in that regard i think he played good um i will say i'm a little frustrated call me a mete stan if you will but <laughs> i just think mete deserves a chance to play you look at where most nhl players are at 22 years of age and they're not where he is right you look at where they were when they were 19 years old. He was as an 18, 19 year old on the top line of the Montreal Canadiens leading plus minus. You're telling me you're giving up on him already. Is he, he's, is he even 22 yet? He's, I know he's turning 22, at least 21 or 22. That's supremely young for a defenseman. If you look at Matthias Ekholm, who Montreal, we're not the only people rallying for him to make the NHL. He didn't play a full season until he was 24. And, you know, on a stacked Nashville defense, on a on a team that was a year, a year or two away from a Stanley Cup final, he was only a plus 12. I know plus minus isn't everything, but let's let's take a look, let's take a kind of a step back and realize where I think Mete is in his development isn't as far along as we expected him to be when to the NHL. Right. But I think that's because he was a little stunted. I just think that, like, like, I say, like I said, I don't think Ouellette is undeserving of being there. I just think it's kind of a waste to just have Mete sitting games. I think this is a guy who needs to play. And I think there's still a chance he becomes a top four defender on some team in the NHL, at least. And that's, that's where I wanted to go. So I really like Ouellette. Um, I like that he got his shot, but it also feels like a slap in the face to Mete. Um, now, granted, you know, there's been a couple of times so far where Mete has kind of been the reason a goal was scored or, or a bad turnover, but his his tenacity, like his – it seems like every time he's on the ice, like as soon as he gets on there, it's like it's like the beginning of the game. Like he's got all his – he's got full energy and – that's just I want I want that if he's playing hungry, even if he's making mistakes like this is a guy I want like you, you know, his his numbers are really proven his development at especially at such a young age. I want to see more of him, especially with Ben Sherrod being out. You know, I think Olet coming up, I think that's going to stunt Mete's availability to play. But I don't understand why he's going to be the one sitting out granted. I think Ouellette played rather well. It's his first game this season. He got three hits. He tried. He got, I want to say it was like 13 minutes of play. It's about a couple of seconds off of what Romanov had. But 
you know, he wasn't very noticeable, but he he was trying to be impactful. Whereas Mete's first game, you know, he's he's on the team. You know, he didn't have to get called up. This dude is dying to fucking play, and I just don't understand why, you know, it, it almost feels like a slap in the face to me. You bring up Olet and you play him immediately, and Mete has sat, and he has waited, and he has been patient, you know, and, and past the rumors and all of that shit. He's just been waiting for his chance, and every time he comes out and gets a chance, regardless if the team's in a slump or not, he tries to be a difference maker. And I expect to see a lot more of him than uh, Olette um, in the future, but I- I'm proud to see that Olette came up. Uh, he was, if I'm not mistaken, uh, eight games with Laval. He's got a goal and uh, a goal and an assist, but you know, I was it was it bringing Olette a little too early was, was bringing him up too early because then you're kind of slapping Mete in the face and it's, it's going to lead to more rumors. It's going to be okay. Well, he sat, I remember he, you know, when they said Olette was playing, you immediately saw, Oh, well, well, Mete's not, Mete's not on the sheet. Uh, You know, and the rumor mills are going to start back up. You know, I don't want to see this guy break out with another team when he's full on deserving of it right now with Sherratt not being here. Yeah, no, I, I don't know. I, I kind of, I think we've said it all. Um, the only thing I don't think we really touched on was you said, you know, he was hungry to play and all this, but like, I thought he played well when he returned mm-hmm. as well. Um, so I don't know. I just think give Mete a chance. I think Duchamp's system is one that could work for him, but Kind of moving on to I just a don't, different. Before we leave, I just don't want to. I don't want to see him leave like Noah Juleson, and then both of them get a chance to excel when they could have excelled here. That's it. Noah Juleson is something I choose not to talk about because okay, <laughs> that is not a guy Montreal wanted to lose. Right. So that's and that's just tragic, how I feel. Tragic because injuries. I think if it weren't for those those scary shots to the head in that one game, mm-hmm. um, much like the Timur incident on Tuesday, right? Um, you, you God knows what could have happened, but they really it, he would have been in the NHL. He would have been in our top four. So that's a little tough, a little bitter, sweet pill to swallow but it's hard to bring that up but that you know that's the direction i'm 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 fearful of mete but we can definitely move on we don't need to i don't need to poke the bear too much you know well moving on to kind of a similar topic talking about young guys and development we're talking about our two main guys who for as much as they are our chances at success our future I feel like we don't talk about them together at least enough. And that's Nick Suzuki and, Kok- and Kokkinen. Um, Pose the question on Twitter the other day. I've seen it out. And now I'm going to pose the question to you. Who do you think is going to be our number one center? After you, what you've seen of KK, Granted, in a smaller sample size, but just on a tear. Um, I think it was pretty unanimous among our fan base that KK might have had a higher ceiling, but we thought it would be safer bet that Suzuki would be our number one center of the future. 
And I think KK has kind of taken that narrative and grabbed it by the horns. So I want to know what you think. Okay. So I, uh, I truthfully think it's going to come down to Cop Kenny I do love Suzuki. I think Suzuki's flashy. I think he's got, he's got that, uh, that just goal scoring, goal scoring prowess. Uh, he just got filthy goals, but I just think that KK is going to turn into, and we're already seeing he's a stockier centerman um, as of late. Truthfully, I think he he's the better centerman, especially faceoff wise. And uh, I just think that Kaka and Niemi, we're not granted, you know, we haven't seen a lot of him uh, as far as playing on the first line or anything, but I think, I think this is a good step up for him and it, it's going to be a good example to, to prove his point when it comes down to it. I think either one of them could could do tremendous at it, but I think it's just better to have the bigger guy, the more impactful guy, uh, offensive and defensively, be our number one center. Uh, I think Nick Suzuki you think, is going – You think – sorry, you think KK is more impactful defensively than Nick Suzuki? All right. I know both of them are just monstrous, right? But I, I just mean I just mean like – That's a hot take. It, like... It's a hot It's a hot take, right? I know. <laughs> I can hear that is a I can hear the eyes rolling. That I can is hear a the eyes rolling. <laughs> Hot I, take. I just it's think, like Tim Horton's cup of coffee right after it's. I've never had Tim's dog. I've never had uh, Tim's. Tim's cup of coffee's always. Lol, you're so heated that your mic broke up a bit. I'm sure everyone understood it. I understood it, but uh, I know that was a hot take. But I, I just think that. KK's got a bit more aggressiveness, and I know it's hard to say that against Nick Suzuki because he's just a bite-sized version of him. But I just think Kot Kenyemi is just gonna gonna outweigh that that first position once he he shows he's he's the better one. So, are you saying that KK is better defensively right now, or will be? No, will be. Okay, because okay. I, oh, I can hear your frustration. Though. I might have had to. I could feel your I might have had to grab you by the braided beard and slap you on the side of the head. If oh, that's well. your take. <laughs> no, I, I think, think I think, think in the future by the end of this, your your braided your braided beard. Yeah, I learned how to braid my beard. Um, after years of of having uh my servers and bartenders braid it at work. Uh, I can now do it myself, and it looks terrible. But, uh, but l- let me. It let looks me... almost as terrible as that take. It's is it really a bad take though? I, I think really that's think... an awful take. I are you serious? Nick like... Suzuki, I has been compared by NHL players as a Patrice Bergeron. Yeah, type. I fucking get it. I just think that KK is going to be more of a push around guy. So you're saying KK is going to be a selkie candidate? I don't know. I don't know. All right. I get it. I get it. I just think KK is going to be more – he's just going to be bigger. I think he's going to be uh, – I don't know. I think Nick Suzuki is going to be more of the Selkie candidate, but KK is going to be more of that knock-around guy, like a not-as-fast Josh Anderson that throws the weight more. <clears throat> I just think that KK is going to out-muscle and out-body people, whereas Suzuki, who can out-body people at such a small frame – is going to be more of that elusive puck stealing guy. He's going to be more of that self candidate candidate from that aspect. I think KK is going to be more of that wrecking ball, hard to knock off the puck type of player. See, I think that trans what you're saying about KK is correct. I just think that translates more to offense. 
And I think it's funny that you unleash what you know is a scolding hot take <laughs> and you get offended by my reaction. <laughs> I call you out on your blasphemy. Oh, fuck. Everyone thinks I'm a fucking joke, so it's all good. <laughs> um, yeah, man. Sometimes, sometimes, dude, sometimes you just got to throw your opinions out there, dude. I'm not afraid of it. From the fucking south, you know. People are going to take my opinions with a grain of salt regardless. Fair enough. I guess more of a grain of uh, Tony Sastry. Tony Sastry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I've left you speechless. You can't even continue. You have. What's, I don't... Your, next, what's your next question? Like... My next question? <laughs> like, can I get a new co-host? Oh, one who respects a fucking I'm gonna be a journeyman again, a journeyman again, the defensive greatness of young Nick Suzuki, who I think is already one of. So why don't you play your piece then? Put your piece on because because evidently, you know, everybody on Twitter, at least the majority were saying, KK, it sounds like you want Suzuki to be that. I think everyone agreed that Suzuki for a long time was going to be our number one center Mm -hmm. or had a bigger probability of that. And I'm not going to definitively say that either or is going to take the crown. I think KK definitely, and I've said this for a while, has a higher ceiling than Nick Suzuki does because A, he's still the, is it sixth or eighth youngest player in the NHL and it's his third season. And B, he was a third overall draft pick for a reason. He should have a higher ceiling than Nick Suzuki. But I'll also go to point out that, yes, KK's played phenomenally lately. And I'm, do I hope and think that this could be the true version of KK? Yes. Um, Suzuki slumped lately. And I think, you know, to me, he's looked like he's playing with an injury. And I don't want to forget, like, KK went through a slump his sophomore year. Suzuki hasn't gone through that as much. And looking back to, and I know we're very short-sighted. We're very, what have you done for me lately in the NHL, especially as Habs fans. But do you remember what Suzuki was doing at the start of the year? We were calling this guy the second coming of like Saku Koivu, Patrice Berger. Like he was little Patrice, um, the man, right? Um, I think he's just slumping. I think he's injured, truthfully. I I wouldn't be shocked if Suzuki's our number one center for a decade. Okay. And I think it's a great a great argument that we're able to have that we have both of these young guys, but I just could not let it pass that you would disrespect a young Nick. How am I disrespecting this? Slick the, the stick, boy. slick defensive stick Suzuki. Look, man, I'm all Suzuki Summers, okay? I'm all Suzuki Summers. I'm just saying KK doesn't even play on the penalty kill. But moving forward, um, I'm excited for the game tonight against the Jets. I mean, (laughs) it's such a hard topic to move past. Well, yeah, we're all fucking excited, especially after a four. I'm not bitter, dude. Dude, I'm not bitter at all. Um. Ooh, that's one thing I wanted to ask you about. How do you feel about them? Because I think neither one of us really wanted to see this happen, but the splitting of Edmondson and, and Petrie. Yeah, but look at how Kulak's played since then. <clears throat> I think it just goes to show how how good Jeff fucking Petrie is. 
I think and you we, can we, put any any young guy, any you know upcoming guy with Jeff Petrie, and he's just gonna put him with Romanov. I'd love to see it. I, mean, I don't you, know. You remember last year we had this conversation with when Mete was with uh, Weber. You know, I think that just that kind of shows how important Petrie has has. He's always been important, but really has shown how important he is this season and it's becoming um, that you can put him with anybody and he's going to make them excel. Well, I just think it's funny how Kulak was paired with Petrie almost all of last season and we were raving about, I know I personally was like, I, I remember talking at the start of the season about, oh yeah, Kulak's in our top four. Mm-hmm. We're talking about, you know, <laughs> not wanting to move Ro- Romanov up for Kulak. And obviously, I don't think he's been bad this year, but we haven't really talked about him much. And the second he gets paired with Petrie again, I'm going, damn, Kulak's jumping in the play. Kulak's making a play here. What a great defensive play by Kulak. And I just think Petrie is one of those guys that makes absolutely anyone he plays with better. Joel Edmondson was having a career year with him. And I do, I think Edmondson played a role in petrie's kind of breakout this year absolutely but fuck if petrie doesn't deserve some credit for making those around him better yeah good i mean truthfully the edmondson thing is is really what sells it because it was just you know we went back and forth you know like what is edmondson truly going to bring to this team uh i remember we were we were posting that as a as a fourth uh you know like i'm sorry a third line pairing and nothing nothing above that um I don't know. I think the meme speaks for itself. You know, we're throwing the the Edmondson meme out there on Twitter a lot. He's just been impactful, and it just really shows of what Jeff Petrie really brings to the table. Um, I'd like to see him play with everybody at least a couple times this season to to see if that. Because I mean, it's like, dude, you got you got a hot star, right? This dude's smoldering. You just put somebody with him. And see see what we can make off of it. We have a with Sharat being out. I don't see why we can't be as creative as we want on the on the defense right now. Yeah, definitely. I uh, I think you know, it all goes back to fucking Mete time. Come on, like get him out there. Mm-hmm. Um, dude, put Mete with with Jeff Petrie. And I don't. I think we'd never see Olet play a game. At yeah, least give I at least give fair. him a shot. At least give him a fucking chance. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'll be excited to see uh, how the boys play tonight, though, and I'm sure we're gonna talk about it Monday. Um, before we kind of wrap things up, I'm gonna checking our notes. Um, oh yes, of course. Fuck. Uh, it's actually Suzuki's 100th game tonight, and I think it's insane that it's already gone like a hundred games. It feels like this guy made his debut not that long ago. hundred games. The beginning of the season, I said he was going to be the number one center. I've just gave that. I've just gave that claim to KK. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, if it's just both of them. Deneau makes a comeback. Proves us both wrong. I'd be okay with it. (laughs) <laughs> I'd be okay with it because then at that point you're like, oh my god, we got three, you know, first line candidates that are battling each other for it. <laughs> for sure. And on that note of players, 
in what has been entitled Outro Bullshit. Thank you, Corey. <laughs> uh, we want, you wanted to talk about what current players would you want on a jersey? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, I mean, this season, uh, I'm not going to say it's because I got my stimmy today, you know, uh, <laughs> hashtag stimmies and, you know, shit like that. But, no, um, I think that's something that, that everybody thinks about is, like, if they could afford it, who would they get on a jersey? And I guess I wanted to ask, you know, we're halfway through the season now, uh, what player, because there's been a bunch on this team that have been impactful, you know, uh, what is a what is a guy – that you would want on a Jersey right now. And you don't have to give me all of them. You can give me, you just got one guy. You can give me a guy from another team if you want, but um, just watching this, this team this year, I remember going into it. I was like, okay, I got a Nick Suzuki Jersey. Um, he was the the number one guy I really wanted to get a, a Jersey for. And I've just said that he wasn't going to be the first line center again. I'm just fucking killing myself. But um I'm watching some of these guys and I'm like, damn, like I could really, I'd really fuck with his Jersey. You know, I, I'd love to have his Jersey. Can I afford it? Fuck no. But like, maybe he's the next one I get. And I wanted, I wanted to know, not just you Mason, but maybe fans, if, if they could reach out to us uh, any way they can let us know who they would like. Um, but Mason, since you're the person who's on right now, you know, I'm still your co-host at the moment. Uh, what, what's a player or, or a couple players you would, you really have liked this season and would love to support them with having a jersey. I want a Romanov jersey so badly. Like, yeah. just fuck. Like, I don't know. I just love the way he's played, especially at the start of the year. I was so hyped. Mm-hmm. But if it weren't for the possibility of him leaving, I would still get a Deneau jersey. Yeah. I love Phil Deneau. I don't care if the fucking haters. Hater's going to hate Phil Deneau's having a slump year. He's still a fucking stud in my mind. Still got snubbed to the Selkie Trophy last year. Phil Deneau is my absolute goat. Like, top of the list for Habs jerseys. Right now, at least. Okay. Okay. Any, uh... You got another one in the chamber? Maybe someone who's not on the team? Or that's that's what you're looking someone at? Someone that's not in the team. Or another hab, you know, another another guy. Well, I mean, I, I the the fucking debate in my brain between what, like a KK and a Suzuki jersey. Like I'm, I will own both mm-hmm. at some point, but I don't know who I want to get first. Right. And uh, I think I might just have to get a Suzuki to stand up for my boy after he was slandered viciously on the Habs nightly podcast. All right, I'm I'm wearing his jersey right now. I'll wear it the rest of the fucking night. <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is, dude. Sometimes I just say some wild shit, you know. But I'm gonna stick to it, you know. I, I that's how I feel at this moment. It can definitely change. It changed, you know, from the beginning of the season till now. But uh, I like it. Uh, yeah. Uh, so for me, um. I go into a season and I really, I really try to pick someone who is super impactful other than just going by like my gut, like, Oh, I want this Jersey, you know, um, you know, and truthfully I'm going to, I want a Jeff Petrie so bad. It's not even funny, but, but one guy, right. That is really in the beginning. He's still, he still is. He's might not be as impactful right now, but, uh, Jake Evans has moved up my list of Habs players I want like tenfold. 
That Jakey Evans. Like, I search for that kid constantly. Like, like, whenever he's on the ice, like, I just, like, my eyes go to him. And uh, I just want his career to be as healthy as it can be with us. But uh, I have essentially really sold me on the Jake Evans. And then really getting a chance to see him in the beginning of the season, I've been on that Jake Evans train hard. I fucking told you. I've been telling everyone for years. So Notre Dame. <laughs> yeah, just fucking. If I get the Jake Evans Notre Dame jersey, that'd be pretty dope too. Get that. I'll get the. I'll get my Cole Caulfield uh, Wisconsin one. You getting that? Yeah, I yeah. am. Got that stimmy and dog. You know I'm gonna <laughs> spend some ruthless money on stuff I don't need. Unbelievable. I was just wait, just waiting till I had, you know, some dumb money. Some dumb, <laughs> some dumb money. If I think that's gonna conclude, since we're, we're we've resorted to talking about stimulus checks, <laughs> uh, that'll probably conclude the episode for today. Unless you have anything else to add. Uh, I don't know if we said it, but uh, happy thing, happy St. Patrick's Day, everyone. Yeah, that's it. I went I went to go on a rant about getting pinched for no fucking reason growing up for not having like green on, but happy St. Patrick's Day. Fuck, dude. I hope everybody enjoys this game tonight and we fucking win. Yeah, so that'll be half nightly. Our uh, Thursday episode, it's usually a bit of a shit show fest, but kind of shoot the shit, talk about stuff, but I think we stayed pretty focused on hockey today. So give us some props for that. Um, hopefully by uh, Monday, Corey will have come to his senses on the whole Nick Suzuki front, but we'll have to wait and see. <laughs> nah, I think um, end of the season, yes. we will come back to that discussion and we'll have an entire season to really delve into that. It's no point. There's no one game isn't going to change my mind. You know, we'll have to wait and see. <laughs> anyway, hopefully folks. you have, hopefully you haven't <laughs> jinxed KK. He doesn't get walked by oh, someone man. because of your slander. But that'll be it for today. Thank you guys for stopping by and listening to Habs Nightly, as always. You can find me at Habs Nightly on Twitter and Corey at the Bayou Benders on the same platform. We're also on Instagram. And, of course, you can follow the Hockey Pod Net Twitter account on Twitter for your hub of all hockey podcasts, AHL, NHL, Europe, we have it all on the Hockey Podcast Network. So with that, it's been awesome, and thanks for listening. Talk to you guys next time. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hey there, have you ever thought to yourself, I really like hockey and I'd love a show to listen to, but I also don't have enough nonsense in my life and questionable opinions. I got the show for you, bud. And there's some really, really thirsty person in that group, okay, that will be like, I'll give you $7 for that lemonade. And the $2 person is like, whoa, okay, walking away. That person's crazy. That is exactly what happens in free agency all the time. And that is a really good metaphor. And if you don't appreciate it, Put the phone down and get out of here. We don't want you around. You can't say, hey, you tripped this guy, but also he dove. Well, if he dove, I didn't trip him.
If you're a goalie, just, you know, chill. You don't have to do as much as you think you need to do. But also, we talk about hockey. So go check out Siren Sounder, a Canes podcast on the Hockey Podcast Network. New episodes every Monday and after every playoff game during the playoffs. Let's go Canes!